Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. As a believer, there's a difference between socializing with somebody and being in an association. I'm not saying you gotta go around in this world and, and people who, who don't believe in God or people who aren't Christians or people who are ungodly, I'm not saying you gotta shun them and just you know turn your head away from them. You can socialize, we're, we're social people, we're social beings, but it's a difference between socializing and being in an association with somebody. Now, this means you cannot sit there and call yourself a Christian or a follower of Christ and you're still going to kickbacks. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Welcome back, everybody, to the Kingdom Rock Network. I'm so glad to be with you today. As you know, we're in a series, part four of a series, actually. Um, and this series is, is entitled The Government of Your Soul. All right, so if you haven't already watched any of the past um, uh, episodes, please go back and watch them. That way you can be along with us. That way we can uh, just go for it together. Amen. Now, just to recap briefly, in part three, we began to talk about alliances. Now, in regards to our soul, uh, alliance is a soul tie. All right. Now, in part three, we talked about more particularly about spiritual soul ties. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, three other soul ties, and they are social ties or social alliances, emotional soul ties, and physical soul ties. Now, a word that we got to familiarize ourselves with in regards to as we talk about these soul ties or as we talk about these alliances is clearance or security clearance. Now, the definition of clearance is the access given to an individual in which they have the ability to obtain information and resources from an organization or building. Now, in regards to the United States government, any governmental building, you have access to it. So, for example, we, have, we all have access to the White House. We all have access to the Pentagon. We all have access to the Capitol. Now, just because we have access to go inside of it doesn't necessarily mean we can have access to go anywhere within that building. All right. So that's what clearance is. Clearance plays a vital role in the United States government because it protects sensitive information and resources from being exploited and it only gives permission or clearance to a few individuals. And I hope that we can all agree that this is a good thing. I'm so glad that all United States citizens don't have the same clearance as the president of the United States or as the, the Department of uh, Secretary or the Department of Defense. I'm so glad that we all don't have the same clearance. Otherwise, there would be mayhem. All right. So in regards to our soul, we have to also make sure that we have clearances set up in order for us not to fall into these ungodly soul ties or fall into these ungodly alliances. Now, I want to make a statement. Everyone that you become social with, you should not become emotional with. And everyone you become emotional with, you should definitely not become physical with. So I ask you, what clearances have you been given to people? Now, when we talk about soul ties or alliances, we can also kind of look at it in regards to tying the shoe. Now, however you tie your shoe, whether you do the, the two bunny ears or whatever you do to tie your shoe, 
Basically, what you're doing, you're making a knot. All right, now, some people do one knot, some people do double knot, some people do triple knots. Now, when you think about it, you do one knot, every time you make another knot, it's so much harder to undo that shoe, to undo that knot. All right, so a double knot, rather, a double knot is much harder to take apart than a single knot, and a triple knot is much harder to take a, apart than a double in, in, in a single knot. All right, and I'm sure some of y'all have experienced this. If some of y'all are parents, some of y'all kids just about to tie their shoes up just as tight as they can be, and you had issues trying to untie it. Now, I'm going to use this illustration in regards to our soul. Now, again, the three soul ties that we're going to be talking about today is social, emotional, and physical. Now, think of it in a sense of a single knot of a shoe, a double knot, and a triple knot. Now, a single knot, when you first tie your shoe, you know, just the one time, the way that most people do it, that one's pretty easy to take apart. All right, but as you go deeper, as you go to a double knot, and as you go to a triple knot, the more knots you make, the harder it's going to be to take apart. Now, in regards to our soul, God never intended for us to, you know, uh, establish soul ties with people just to take them apart. You know how it is when you're tying a shoe, you, you tie your shoe one time and then you, you double knot it and then you triple knot it. It's so hard to take apart. It's almost impossible. Now, it's important not to develop ungodly soul ties because just like a shoe, you can create all these knots and then you get to a point where you realize, oh, well, I don't really want this shoe. And you try to untie that thing, but it's so knotted up. You got a whole tangled mess because you're trying to untie something that should have never been tied up in the first place. Amen. Now, again, it's easier for a soul tie, a social tie to be separated than an emotional tie. And it's easier for a emotional tie to be separated than the physical soul tie. All right. Now, let's talk about these soul ties individually a little bit more. Let's first focus on social. As believers, you have to realize that you do not or rather you cannot have associations with certain people of this world. As a believer, there's a difference between socializing with somebody and being in an association. I'm not saying you got to go around in this world and, and people who, who don't believe in God or people who aren't Christians or people who are ungodly. I'm not saying you got to shun them and just, you know, turn your head away from them. You can socialize. We're, we're social people. We're social beings. But it's a difference between socializing and being in an association with somebody. Now, this means you cannot sit there and call yourself a Christian or a follower of Christ and you're still going to kickbacks or you're still going to the college parties or to these, these crazy parties where there's nothing but smoking and drinking and promiscuity. All right. That's hypocrisy. Now you may be saying, well, you know, I go to these things, but I don't really engage in the stuff. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't, you know, engage to any of the sexual activities, none of the promiscuity. I just go to socialize. Well, James four, four says you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So you don't want to get into that mindset where you're saying, well, I'm going to these places. I'm going to the bars with my friends. I'm, I'm going to these parties. I'm not really engaging into the drinking. Um, so it's okay. Or I'm not really smoking. So it's okay. Or I'm just kind of hanging out, just talking. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. In fact, People of this world should feel uncomfortable to ask you to these places 
People should feel uncomfortable to ask you to come to the clubs with them. As a believer, people should feel uncomfortable to invite you to the kickbacks or to these worldly parties. Why, you may ask? Well, if you're actually living as you should be living, living according to the word, the light of Christ in you should illuminate all the evil inside their lives. And the thing about this, people love to sin. People don't like to sin in the light. People like to go into the dark and sin. People like to sin at nighttime. People like to sin where nobody can't see them. Amen. The light of Christ in you should expose the evil around you. Let's take a look here at Ephesians 5 verses 10 through 13. It reads, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. What is this light that the scripture is talking about? That's talking about the light of Christ in you. So they should not feel comfortable inviting you to these places because if you're truly living as you're supposed to be living and not dimming your light and letting your light shine brightly for God, if they invite you to these places, your life, your character, uh, the way you live is going to expose all the evil that they do. So they're going to want to stay away from you. So don't dim your light so that you can be friends with this group of people or so that you can be friends with this association or so that you can be friends with, with this clique over here. And don't never dim your light because you don't want to offend somebody. Now, I admit, so oftentimes, sometimes we get into places in our life or we may be in a particular situation where something evil may happen or, or something ungodly may happen. And it's an opportunity to let your light shine and expose it. But oftentimes, because we don't want to offend nobody, because we want to keep the peace with everybody, we dim our light in order to not in order not to offend them. But again, Ephesians 5, 10, 13 says, expose them. Let your light shine. Do not dim your light. And don't be surprised when you truly begin to let the light of Christ shine in your life. Don't be surprised if your your so-called friends or your so-called homies or your so-called sisters, all this stuff right here. Don't be surprised when they begin to separate themselves from you. Why? Because the light in you is, is beginning to expose the, the evil things in their lives. In contrast to this, don't be surprised when you begin to let your light shine that people will be attracted to you. Certain people will begin to come, come up to you and be like, you know, there's something different about you. I, I just want to be around you. I like being around you. There's something different. What it is, though there is people in this world that, that likes to stand, that likes to stay away from the light, there is also some people who is look that they're looking for something. They're looking for something other than what they're in. They're looking for light. It's kind of like they're inside a tunnel and they're looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. If you let your light shine brightly, you could be that light for them. And it's not you, but it's the light of Christ in you. Amen. Let's take a look here at 2 Corinthians verse, rather 2 Corinthians 7 verses 14 through 18. It reads, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. 
I will be their God and they will be my people. All right. So we got to recognize that there's no equilibrium between light and dark. I have never, maybe you have, if you have, this is amazing, but I've never been able to turn a light switch halfway on and off and it'd be half dark and half light. No, I've never seen that. It's impossible. It's either on or it's off. All right. So don't associate yourself in, 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 in people who are un, with, with people who are ungodly. Don't dim your lights. Amen. Jesus summed this point up beautifully in Matthew's five verses 14 through 16. This is what he says. He's, he's talking about you. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So I encourage you today. I really I really ask and, and pray that you begin to evaluate those so-called friends around you, those associations that could possibly ungodly soul ties, ungodly social soul ties. I pray that you begin to evaluate these things and ask yourself, how are they affecting my light? How, how is my, my quote unquote best friend affecting my light? How is this person affecting my light? Are they illuminating me or are they darkening me? Amen. So oftentimes we come into association with our so-called friends, these ungodly soul ties with the world and all these people are they're like baskets. Like Jesus said, nobody likes the light and, and puts it under a basket. There's so many basket like people out here that want to be around you. But as they get around you, all they're going to do is dim your light. They want to cover you up. Jesus says, don't do that. Get on top of the hill. Expose them. Be separated. Let your light shine brightly. Amen. So I urge you to separate yourself from these bad alliances. I urge you to separate yourself from these bad social soul ties. And I urge you to get around godly uh, social alliances. Let's take a look here at Hebrews first, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 10 verses 23 to 25. It reads as follows. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now pay attention to this part right here. It reads and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So as I'm talking about these social soul ties, as, as I'm talking about separating yourself from these ungodly social soul ties uh, from ungodly people, I'm not saying you got to you got to live a lonesome life. I'm not saying you got to lock yourself in the basement. I'm not saying that. All right. This doesn't mean you have to have the mentality of, oh, they're they're ungodly. They're not Christian. I can't talk to them. You ain't got to have that mentality. That's not that's not what the scripture is saying. In fact, Jesus was known to be among notorious sinners and publicans. The key is this is the key that you need to make sure you understand. Though he was around these people, he didn't let them dim his light. Though he was around these people, he didn't dim his light to fit in. Amen. The light actually his light in him drew people to him. All right. So in the same manner, when you begin to let your light shine, don't be surprised when people begin to, you know, kind of kind of disappear out of your life. It's OK. It's OK. If, if you got to lose somebody for Christ's sake, that's the best. That's the best loss that I can ever think of. Amen. In the same manner, don't be surprised when when people begin to be drawn to you. They'll begin to say, 
and I've heard this. Many people say this to me. There, there, there's something. There's like a glow on you. There, there's something different about you. I, I, I don't know what it is, but, but, but there's something different about you. They're going to be drawn to you. It's not that they're drawn to you. They're drawn to the light that is in you, which is the light of Christ. Amen. So I've been one or two things is going to happen when you when you just try to be hard headed and stubborn and say, well, I hear you, Caleb, but, you know, those are my friends. They're my dogs. You know, that's my sister. You know, we, we, that's my ride or die. You know, one or two things is going to happen. Either they're going to change you or you're going to change them. And if they're of this world, that means that their heart, their hearts is hard. They don't want to change. So more than likely, they're going to change you. So don't be hard headed. Don't be stubborn. Let your light shine. Let your light push them away or separate yourself from them and get into association with godly social soul ties. Amen. And even if you even if you're in a situation where you feel, well, you know, I'm in school. There's, there's so much ungodliness around me or I'm at work. I'm the only Christian at work. Hey, this is the best place. To let your light shine. Amen. If you go into a dark room, if you go into a dark cave, if you like one little flame, it's going to expose everything. So if this is you, if you're in a place where you feel like, well, there's just so much ungodliness around me, that's the perfect place to let your light shine. Light shines the best in darkness. Amen. Don't let your flame go out. Don't damn it to fit in. Amen. So again, I encourage you to reevaluate those social, your social circles. Evaluate those people, not who you're socializing with, but those people who you are in association with. Are they like baskets? Are they dimming your light? Or are they like other lights who illuminate you? Are they other believers? Are they ungodly? Are they godly? So again, begin to evaluate those associations around you because you do not want to get into these ungodly social alliances. Amen. Now let us move on to emotional alliances or these emotional soul ties. Now this is about the point where Clarence, this, the term that we talked about earlier, Clarence, uh, comes into play. So let's go back to the example of the White House, right? The government allows anybody that doesn't pose a threat to the, the building to come into the White House. If any of y'all have been to Washington, D.C., you probably take a tour of the White House or you probably took a tour of the Capitol. Now, just because they allow me in, just because I don't pose a threat, I can't walk into the White House and go up to the Oval Office and put and kick my feet up on the desk. No, 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 no. That, that's not allowed. I don't have that clearance. Amen. This is the same for our soul. Just because we give people initial access, just because we have associations with certain people and they may be good people. This does not necessarily mean we have to become we have to give them emotional clearance. All right. So this begs the question, then, how do we decide or how do we know? who to give clearance to. Well, in regards to our government, with government affiliated buildings, every single person that has clearance went through this process. It's a process called vetting. What is vetting? I got two definitions here. Let's read the first one. It says, vetting is making a careful and critical examination of something, of something or someone. I like the second definition a little bit better. It says this, Vetting is the process of investigating someone thoroughly, especially in order to ensure that they are suitable for a position requiring secrecy, loyalty or trustworthiness. So as we begin to uh, develop and, and establish emotional soul ties, 
You do not want to you do not want to do this with anybody. Why? Because when you do that, you're allowing somebody into those secret parts. You need somebody that's trustworthy because you're exposing yourself and, and, and showing them things about yourself that everybody doesn't know. Everybody shouldn't have access to this. Amen. And the thing is, if we begin to skip this process of vetting, if we begin to not really take into consideration, if we begin to just let everybody in, you know, emotionally, what's going to happen is oftentimes you risk being exploited. People will come in um, because you let them in, you give them this clearance. They didn't, they didn't deserve that clearance. They didn't need that clearance. They'll come in and they'll exploit you. They'll, they'll hurt you. They'll, they'll do all this thing and they'll hurt you emotionally. Amen. So this means that everybody ain't your counselor. Whenever you begin to have problems in life, don't don't. St- I got to call this person, man. I, I got to call this person, you know, because what happens is you you go into all this stuff and you begin to call this person. And, and what happens is, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll appease to you. I hear you, man. Oh, I'm so sorry. This, that and the other. You're talking on the phone. You're thinking that you're whatever you're saying, you're, you think that it's going to stay confidential between you and that person. But the moment they hang up, they already have somebody on speed dial. Hey, guess what, girl? Guess what? I got the juice on this person. Hey, homie. Hey, bro, you heard about so and so this, that and the other. So you have to be careful of who you give this emotional clearance to. Amen. So this also this also begs another question. What, what is this process of vetting and how does it work? What is this process of vetting and how does it work? Well, let us turn to 2 Kings 20 verses 12 through 17. Now, just to give you a little brief synopsis of what I'm reading here, uh, the King Hezekiah, he got really sick. All right. And um, he began to get better. And uh, as he began to get better, the king of Babylon uh, sent his son to bring gifts and things like that because he heard he was sick. And we'll just read it right here in the scripture. Amen. So it reads this. Soon after this, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift. For he had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick. Hezekiah received the Babylonian the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see the armory and showed them everything in his royal treasures, rather in his royal treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, what did those men want? Where are they from? Hezekiah replied, well, they came from a distant land. Well, they came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? Isaiah asked. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasuries. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything in your palace all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now will be carried off uh, and nothing will be left and, and nothing will be left, says the Lord. So the thing about this, if you continue to read on, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, King, Neb- King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon, he, he eventually uh, conquers Jerusalem and, and takes all the people, all the treasures. So in the same instance, in our lives, many times people who are a friend this day or is a friend this season uh, may not be your friend tomorrow or may not be your friend in the next season. 
So you got to be very careful of who you give emotional access to. See, the thing was, he was blinded because of the presentation that was given. He didn't look he didn't look at the purpose of the presentation. He was blinded by the presentation. What do I mean by this? Well, it's kind of like this. As a child, when you wanted something from your mama or when you wanted something from your daddy, you know, you want to go to a friend's house. You may mess around, clean your whole room up, clean the whole house up. And see, you're trying to manipulate your parents and trying to think, I'm just doing this good thing. And, you know, they'll, they'll give me something in return. So you're manipulating them. This is kind of what happened here. The, uh, the, 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 the people, the, the son of the king of Babylon at this time, he came with this with these gifts. He came with, you know, his best wishes. And in return, what did Hezekiah do? Well, he foolishly showed him everything inside of his palace. That's what we do. Many times people will come to us. Uh, they'll come to us in these times and they'll, they'll bring us stuff. Or, you know, man, let, let me get this to you, man. Um, and because they given us, because they have given us something, we sometimes get so caught up on what they've given us that we don't even look at the purpose of why they're giving it to us. So this is where the process of vetting comes in. Now, this is how you conduct yourself in this process of vetting. King, uh, rather, uh, the prophet Isaiah asked uh, King Hezekiah three questions. He said, what do they want? So before giving emotional clearance to someone, we need to ask ourselves, what, what's their real intentions? What, what do they really want? I, I see the gift, but let me look past the gift. What do they really want? We need to ask ourselves that. This is the process of vetting. He asked another question as well. He said, where are they from? So when Isaiah asked uh, Hezekiah this question, he said, oh, they're from a distant land. So many times we need to watch out in our lives when people just kind of pop up out of nowhere. You know, you may have been praying for a boyfriend or a husband or a wife, this, that and the other. And all of a sudden, Prince Charming or the princess just pops up out of nowhere. You think it's from God. But in reality, it's from the enemy. They came from a distant land. They, you don't know where they came from. Or you need to ask yourself, what, what is their history? Where are they from? Uh, uh, who, 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 who do they associate with? All right. What groups are they associated with? What is their reputation? You need to ask these questions um, in this process of vetting before you just give yourself clearance to them emotionally. And then there's one more question that Isaiah asked King Hezekiah. He said, what have I shown them? Now, rather, he said, what have you shown them? Now, this may be a tough question to face because many times we carelessly and recklessly give people emotional clearance. And if that's you, you need to ask yourself, what, what, what have I shown them? What, 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 what did I give them access to? What did I give them access to in my palace? Because many times what happens is these people, they'll bring these gifts to us. They'll, 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 they'll cuddle up to us. They'll, they'll put this persona of, of helping, but their real purpose is to exploit you. You know, y'all know how it is. Many times, many, many of y'all may have experiences. You may have experiences where, Maybe, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend, it, you know, it, it worked out good in the beginning. It, it started off good, but he, he hurt me. She, she hurt me. She broke my heart. See, what happened was you didn't look at the purpose. You didn't look at the real intention behind why they wanted to get with you. Amen. You got to look at the you have to really take this process of vetting into consideration. You have to really be very intentional about it when you are giving yourself emotional access to somebody else. Amen. You cannot get tired of this process. Sometimes it can be long. Sometimes you may be looking for the right person because 
like King Hezekiah, all he wanted to do was show off his valuables. Many times in our lives, we, we know like there's something valuable, valuable in me. I, I have hidden gifts. I have hidden talents. I just want to show somebody. But you got to be careful who you show that to because though somebody, it is for somebody to see, but other people, they'll come in and they'll see this stuff and they'll try to exploit you. They'll try to use you. They'll use you up and they'll dry you up and they'll move on and leave you there you know, high and dry. Amen. So we have to be very intentional in this process of vetting. All right. So don't get tired of this process. You got to keep doing it again and again and again and again until you find the right person that you can give clearance to. Think about it like this. If I own a Fortune 500 company and I'm about to hire an executive officer in my company, every single interview, I'm vetting every single person. If I got five people interview, I'm vetting every single person. I'm running background checks. I'm checking their references. I'm doing everything. I don't skip my one person because I know that whoever I let in, I'm giving them access to something secret. I'm giving them access to myself internally. So in the same manner, before you just let people into your life on the emotional level, you have to really be careful. You have to very you have to be very intentional uh, when it comes to vetting. Amen. So. Please be very intentional with this. Be patient. Amen. Don't don't rush the process. Be, be patient in this process of vetting. Now, as we get ready to come to a close, there's one more alliance that we have to talk about. Um, and this is one that many of us are, are familiar with. This is a physical alliance or a physical soul tie. Now, this is the highest level of clearance that you can give a person. This is the highest level of, cl of clearance that a person can give you. The most common way that these form are through sexual intimacy. So oftentimes, especially with the younger generation, we use this term, uh, I'm having sex with no strings attached. We say that they, they, people say this a lot, but the fact of the matter is there, there is an attachment. There, there, there's very well a attachment. That attachment is called a soul tie. So a physical soul tie is something that should be established in marriage. Sexual intimacy is something that should be established in marriage. Let's take a look here at 1 Corinthians 7 and 2, as Paul talks to the people of Corinth. He says, but, sexual but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. So this should be done within the constraints of marriage. And many people think that, well, I man, God's just trying to, Man, why, why, why God making these rules, man? It's my body. I can do whatever I want. Well, let's take a look here at 1 Corinthians 6, verses uh, 13 to 14. Paul says, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. Uh, this is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. And if we go down a little bit further in verses 19 and 20, it reads, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So the thing is, People think that sex is just how, what can I do to make myself feel good? It's never about you. Even within marriage, it's not about you. First Corinthians, uh, first Corinthians one verses three and four says, 
The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So even with, within the constraints of marriage, it's still not about what, what can I do to make myself feel? No, it's about the other person. It's never about you. Sex is never just about you. Amen? Now, why is it so important? Why is, it, why is God so very stern about us not having sex outside of marriage? Why is he so, you know, uh, intentional or very, you know, uh, um, I guess aggressive in a sense of why we should have it within the, the, the realms of marriage? Well, the fact of the matter is when you begin to have sexual intimacy outside of marriage, it can become nuclear. Now, what, what do you mean by this, Caleb? You may be asked, what do you mean by this, Caleb? What do you mean nuclear? Well, think about it like this. Let's first jump to Genesis 2, verses 23 to 24. It reads as follows. And this is from the CEB. It says, then Adam said, this is finally bone from my bones and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because from a man she was taken. This is the reason that a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife. They will become one flesh. Now, let's talk about Adam for a second. Not A-D-A-M, not Adam in the Bible, but Adam, you know, the, 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 the basic unit of a chemical element. When you think about an Adam, if, if any of y'all are physicists or if any of y'all are any type of molecular, molecular scientists, you know, you know that when you split an atom in half, when you split an atom in half, it, it, it causes a process called fission. It causes this process called fission. Now, if you can think back to 1945 when the United States dropped the, the atomic bombs on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the thing that made these bombs explode was this process called fission or this, this, the, the splitting of atoms. This is how it is in relationship. This is how it is when it, when it comes to sexual intimacy. When you become sexually intimate with, with, with a person, you come together and you become one, whether you're married or not. Now, like atoms, when you split apart, when this process of fission takes place, it can become nuclear. It can become so destructive. And the thing is, we do this over and over and over again. We come together with one person, but then you split apart. It becomes nuclear. You come together with one person, then you split apart. It becomes nuclear. You come together with one person, and then it, you split apart. It becomes nuclear. And not only that, any type of uh, atomic bomb always leaves radiation. So not only have you caused so much destruction, but when you go to the next person, you're carrying all this radiation, all this junk from the other relationship right into the bed, the bed of the other person. Amen. So again, this is why God is so intentional about us having sex within the realms of marriage. He's not trying to be mean. He's not trying to, you know, uh, 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 you know, take you with nothing like that. He just wants you to be safe because he understands how dangerous, how dangerous it is. Amen. So as we come to a close, if you're watching this and you realize you're saying to yourself, well, you know, I hear what you're saying and, and I, I think. Some of my some of my, my my knots may be tangled up. I may have some bad alliances. I may have some bad soul ties. If this is you, please, I encourage you to bring it to God because He's the only one that can untangle it. And I want to pray with you today, um, in, in, in helping you do this. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Father, we come to you today, Lord. Father, got anybody that has foreign a bad alliance. Anybody that has foreign, a bad soul tie, an ungodly soul tie in any respects, Lord. 
We bring it before you, oh God. We bring it before you in the name of Jesus because we know that you are the only one that can untangle it. Father God, we have tried, and as we have tried to untangle it, we have made just a tangled mess, Lord. So we bring it before you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. We ask that you untangle us, Lord God. We know that you love us, Lord God. I know that you're not mad at me. I know you're not upset with me. So I bring myself to you, Lord God, and I ask that you untangle any ungodly soul tie in my life. In Jesus' name. I also want to offer the opportunity of salvation to anybody that's watching today. If you're watching this and this may be your first message of Christ that you ever heard, your first mission of, of any type of preaching that you ever heard. And you're saying, you know, this, this was good, but it's not for me. You know, I'm no Christian. Um, I want to offer salvation to you because it's for you. Christ gave his life for all people. He gave his life for you. So I want to offer this this moment of salvation to you. And I just ask that you repeat after me. If you want to go along by yourself, do that, whatever you need to do. But please repeat these words after me from your heart. Say, Father, I come to you today, Lord God, as a sinner. My life is a mess. I've sinned against you. But Lord God, I come before you, Lord God, in repentance, Lord. I repent of all my wrongdoings, Lord God. I know what I did was evil, but I repent, Lord God. Lord God, I receive your forgiveness, Lord God. And I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I do believe if you pray this with me, if you pray this prayer or anything like this from the sincerity of your heart, you have been accepted into the kingdom of God. You have been accepted to the, the most loving family that, that you can ever have. All right, the Father loves you, and you are about to start on a journey that is going to be the best journey of your life. It's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy, but I promise you it is well worth it. So I want to welcome you to my family. Amen. Well, that is all that I have for y'all today. Um, I will see y'all next time on the Keenan Rock Network, and I'll see y'all next time. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.